slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Hi, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We have got a lot to discuss on today's show, including a solid performance in Tampa Bay against the Lightning. Islander fans have to be happy with this performance, a 5-1 victory over the Lightning, the team that won the President's Trophy just a year ago, and now the Islanders Coming off a a little bit of a shaky showing in Dallas, even up this road trip at 1-1. And And the road trip will conclude on Thursday when the Islanders take on the Florida Panthers. But we've got to discuss this game. We'll also have this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more to talk about. You know, Tampa Bay, not an easy team to go up against. And yet the Islanders did a very good job on this night. The goaltenders last night, Simeon Varlamov for the Islanders, Curtis McElhenney for Tampa Bay as Vasilevsky gets the night off. And the first period was a scoreless one, and that made things a little bit difficult. But, you know, here's the thing. The Islanders, it was important to them, and we talked about this on yesterday's show that the Islanders should not be taking too many bad penalties. Tampa Bay, as we mentioned, second in the league on the power play coming into this game, first in the league at home on the power play coming into this game. Seven minutes, 17 seconds into the contest, Adam Pellick trips up Mitchell Stevens, and yes, Tampa Bay gets the big power play, and... The Bolts had their chances, but the biggest chance coming when uh, Johnny Boychuk's stick breaks down near the slot, but heads-up play defensively by Cal Clutterbuck. He clears the puck down the ice and keeps it out of danger, and the Islanders manage to kill off that first power play, and that's important. Another good defensive play a little bit later on in the period, and this was encouraging to say the least, because Noah Dobson was the man who made it. And, you know, no Nick Letty today. We talked about that. If you follow me on Twitter, we updated you earlier this afternoon or yesterday afternoon that Nick Letty was not going to play. Dobson steps in, ends up playing and playing pretty well, and he comes up and makes a nice play with his stick to break up a pass on a two-on-one breakaway. And as a result, it breaks it up, and the Islanders are able to keep the game scoreless at that point. And that is big. Late in the period, Cal Clutterbuck and Corey Conacher 
each get roughing minors at 1709. That did not have any real effect on the manpower situation. They each get two for roughing, more of a wrestling match than anything else. Then the best scoring chance for the Islanders while the teams are skating four aside late in the period, Anders Lee had a shot in, you know, from just outside the crease area, but McElhenney makes the save and overall a scoreless first period, a good solid, not outstanding, but strong, solid road period for the Islanders. They're outshot nine to eight, but again, after falling behind badly in Dallas and falling behind too many times on road games since they started that California trip, it was encouraging in a big way to see what the Islanders did in this first period, to stay out of trouble, to not fall behind. And again, you know, with Nick Letty out of the lineup, Barry Trotz mixing and matching his defensive pairings, and it actually was effective. So overall, after 20 minutes, we are scoreless, and the Islanders get into the second period all even at 0-0. Zero and zero. Pellick hurt early in the second period. He skated over to the Islanders bench after uh, going down, and that had to be a big concern for the Islanders. Looked like he was in a lot of discomfort, but he managed to come back onto the ice, only missed, I think, one shift when all was said and done, and the game remained scoreless. Meanwhile, the Islanders have a situation where Conacher for the Lightning was sort of cherry-picking by the Islanders' blue line. He ends up with a breakaway, but Varlamov comes up big, and then the Islanders come back the other way. Pulak finds Ross Johnston, who has a wrist shot from the right circle that beats McElhaney. It's Johnston's second goal of the season at 6.44 of period two, and the Islanders suddenly had a one-to-nothing lead, and that was big because as far as the Islanders were concerned, uh, scoring first really makes a difference, especially on the road. Then, Scott Mayfield taking a penalty in the second period just shortly after the Johnston goal. Time of the penalty, 7.30, and Mayfield got two for cross-checking, two for roughing. Cedric Paquette got just two for roughing, and as a result, Tampa Bay ends up with another man advantage. However, the Islanders end up with the shorthanded goal. Casey Sezikis makes the play, sets up Josh Bailey for the shorthanded attempt. Bailey beats McElhaney for his eighth at 8.37 of the second period, and it's 2-0 Islanders. So here, not only are the Islanders killing off both of the Tampa Bay power plays through the first two periods, but they get a shorty as well, and that really changes the momentum, and the Islanders have that 2-0 lead. Fourth shorthanded goal of the season for the Islanders. The Islanders then had a power play chance, their first of the game. 
That happened in the second period as the Islanders' Shattenkirk for Tampa Bay slashed Beauvillier at 11.42. Islanders have the man advantage, but they were unable to cash in. Encouraging fact, Noah Dobson out there for the power play, getting his time. And I think that's a wise move, especially given the circumstances. You're up 2-0. And Dobson is good with the puck. He knows how to handle it. And he made his move. Uh, you know, played pretty well on that power play, but the Islanders were unable to cash in. Then, just a few minutes after the power play expires, Tampa Bay gets on the board. Who else but Steven Stamkos? He pokes the puck home from the crease, puts it underneath Varlamov, who at the time was heading to the ice. And as a result, it is a 2-1 to one hockey game. Stamkos, his 10th from Shattenkirk and Anthony Sorelli. Time of the goal, 15-35. And now it's a 2-1 game. And this is, this is big because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's a one-goal game and the Islanders' lead is tenuous. So after two periods, it was 2-1 to one Islanders, the Lightning out, shooting the Islanders 21-16, to 16, and you knew the third period was going to be a challenge for the road team against a very explosive Tampa Bay Lightning club. All right, we are still have a lot more to get to. We'll talk about this third period and what it meant for the Islanders. We'll also discuss this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more. More to come here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. So the third period gets underway, and you got to say the one thing you don't want to do if you're the Islanders is to take a penalty. You're holding on to a one-goal lead on the road, and yet that's exactly what happens. Michael Dalcole called for hooking Sorelli at 43 seconds, and immediately, if you're an Islander fan, you have got to be concerned about the situation where your team has to defend against, again, coming into this game, a team with the best power play at home in the league. Now, we talk about good penalty killing. Most of the time when your penalty killing is effective, that means your goaltender is either one of your best penalty killers or your best penalty killer, and this was no exception. A great, great save made by Simeon Varlamov and just... Two minutes and 43 seconds into the period. And it wasn't an easy save. He dove, got the glove down. Pat Maroon had his shot. But Varlamov gloves it, smothers it, holds on. And that helps kill off the penalty. And that was really Tampa Bay's best shot for the game. Now, the Islanders finally break open the game midway through the third period. And it was a big goal. Brock Nelson goes in and takes a whack at the puck in the crease. He beats McElhaney at 7.31 of period three. Nelson's 10th goal of the season. And it's a suddenly a 3-1 to one hockey game. And that was a big, big play. Now, it looked like Tampa Bay had gotten things back down to a one-goal game as Shattenkirk fed Hedman, and at 9.53, 
He beats Varlamov. It looks like a 3-2 game, but the Islanders challenge and the replay shows this play was not just offside, but very offside. No goal, still 3-1, and that right there was really the turning point of the game. It really changed the momentum. Instead of Tampa Bay being down a goal at home with the momentum, they were frustrated, they were disappointed, and the Islanders breathed a big sigh of relief. Brock Nelson answers again seven minutes and ten seconds after his previous goal. He hits a nice high shot from the slot and beats McElhaney for his 11th of the year at 14:41. Anders Lee and Jordan Eberle with the helpers, and it's a 4-1 to hockey game. The Islanders then get their another power play, and at 16.05, it's Lee putting the puck home his eighth of the year on the power play. Bailey and Barzal with the assists, and the Islanders had a 5-0 lead for Lee, by the way. That was his first power play goal of the season, and that is uh, surprising that it took him till December 9th to get that first goal with the extra attacker. He certainly had his chances. Meanwhile, overall, Varlamov outstanding in goal. 31 saves in 32 shots. That's a 969 save percentage. And for the Islanders, Brock Nelson, as we mentioned, the two goals, Josh Bailey and Anders Lee, each with a goal and an assist. And Ryan Pulak with an assist. So again, the defenseman, contributing with some offensive production in this game. And here's the amazing thing also about the Islanders' defensemen. Out of the six defensemen that dressed in this game, all of them were plus except for Scott Mayfield, who was even. But Taze, Pellick, Pulak, and Boychuk, all a plus one. Noah Dobson, who only played nine minutes and 34 seconds, he was a plus two in this game. The hits, you know, not as many given out by the official scorers here in Tampa Bay, but uh, Anders Lee and Matt Martin each credited with four to lead the Islanders as they played well. Faceoff circle was a problem throughout this game for the Islanders. Brock Nelson, who's usually been very good in the faceoff circle, only winning four out of 15 uh, of his draws. Casey Sezikis. 7 out of 13 for 54%. Derek Broussard, 3 out of 5. So the Islanders overall struggling in the faceoff circle during the course of this game. But an overall strong performance by the Islanders. And they have to be very, very happy with this bounce-back win after they struggled against Dallas on Saturday. In block shots, three each for Mayfield and Boychuk. That was uh, well done. And Brock Nelson and Jordan Eberle each had two to pace the Islanders forwards. Scratches uh, for the Islanders in this game. Leo Kamarov, a healthy scratch. Nick Letty, who, as we mentioned, uh, kind of day-to-day right now with his injury. We've got more to talk about here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. We'll look back at this date in Islanders history 
and talk a little bit about an unsung Islander who's playing his best hockey recently. We'll have all of that and more on the Locked On Islanders podcast when we return. All right, it's time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to December 10th, 2013. Islanders in San Jose to take on the Sharks at the Shark Tank. And this was an interesting hockey game and a close hockey game, to say the least. Islanders going with Kevin Poulin in goal, while San Jose went with Antti Niemi. And boy, did the Sharks throw a lot of shots at the Islanders' goal. 48 shots in this game at Poulin. He made 46 saves. An outstanding game for Kevin Poulin. The first period was scoreless, but the Islanders were shorthanded three times in the first 20 minutes and managed to kill off all three First, Eric Bolton had a delay of game penalty, shooting the puck over the glass. And then just before, eight seconds before that power play expired, Travis Hamanick did the same thing, shot the puck over the glass, delay of game. And for eight seconds, the Islanders were down two men, a five-on-three power play. They managed to kill that off. And then Hamanick took a hooking penalty at 17.32. As a result, the Islanders spent almost a full six minutes shorthanded in that first period, and they were fortunate to get out with a 0-0 tie. The Sharks controlled things in the second period. Matt Karkner, a two-minute roughing call at 5:16, and the Sharks finally do cash in on their fourth power play opportunity. Patrick Marlowe, his 14th from Dan Boyle and Logan Couture, and it was 1-0 San Jose. Just a little less than 10 minutes later, an even-strength goal by Joe Pavelski, his 10th, Boyle and Patrick Marlowe with the helpers, and it was 2-0 Sharks after 40 minutes. But the Islanders played a strong third period. And just 51 seconds into the third period, Thomas Vanek gets his 10th goal of the year, Akposo and Tavares with the helpers, and it was a 2-1 game, and just like that, the momentum of this game changes. The Islanders putting some pressure on the San Jose goal. They finally tie it with a minute 37 left in regulation. Kyle Oposo, his ninth from John Tavares, as both goals came from the Islanders' top line. We go to overtime, nobody scores, and so a shootout. The Sharks elected to go first, Joe Pavelski was stopped in his attempt by Poulin, but then the Islanders took the lead. Thomas Vanek beats Niemi, and the Islanders led 1-0. That lead short-lived as Logan Couture scored on the second-round attempt for the Sharks, and it was 1-1. The Islanders then went with their best uh, shootout participant, Franz Nielsen, but Niemi stopped him. Then Poulin stopped Dan Boyle, and Niemi was able to stone John Tavares. So after three rounds, still even at one, we go to a fourth round to try to break the tie. Tomas Hurdle, the high draft pick, came in and Poulin made yet another good save. And then in the fourth round of the shootout, Kyle Oposo beats Antti Niemi and the Islanders skate away with a 3-2 win. All of this on this date in Islanders history, December 10th, 2013, 
and 17,562 fans at the Shark Tank, most of them at least, go home disappointed. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Islanders, and one Islander in particular who I think is just doing very well and, you know, kind of in a quiet way when you think about it. And that is Ross Johnston. Johnston scored a goal uh, against Tampa Bay. He got the Islanders on the board, but that's really not what makes him such a good player. And look, he is not the kind of guy who is going to make a lot of headlines. If you don't watch him play all the time, you're probably not going to see, you know, a lot of him. But I'll tell you something. Ross Johnston has been playing his best hockey, especially over the last three games. First of all, over the last four games, he's been getting more ice time than he has in the past. Uh, Against Anaheim, 9 minutes, 53 seconds of ice time. And then since then, he's been over 12 minutes, uh, uh, 12.58 against Vegas, 12.39 in Dallas, and then 12.13 last night in Tampa Bay where he gets the goal. In those games, in addition to racking up more minutes, he's had 18 hits in the last three games, blocked two shots, taken four shots on goal, and, you know, look, at six foot five, 235 pounds, Ross Johnston is going to be a grinder, a physical hockey player, the kind of guy who, uh, you know, is going to change the momentum of a game by digging in the corners, forechecking aggressively, taking out his man along the boards when need be, and yet he seems to be finding a different level and he is being rewarded right now by Barry Trotz with additional ice time. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say to you that I think Ross Johnston is going to all of a sudden be a 20-25 goal scorer. He's not. And in fact, he is going to be, when everyone is healthy, he's going to sit out a few games as a healthy scratch. But here's what Barry Trotz does. And I think it's great. When Ross Johnston plays well, as he has the last few games, he gets more ice time. And he even took some shift with Barzal and Bailey uh, last week. So he's getting more ice time because he's earning it. And that keeps him hungry. And he knows what his role is, and he goes out, and he plays the right way. And Ross Johnston, overall, just a very good fit in this system, the Barry Trotz defense-first kind of a system. Be responsible in your own zone and play well elsewhere. And give him credit. He's, again, not going to make headlines. If you're not an Islanders fan, you probably don't even know who Ross Johnston is. But this kid is playing his best hockey, and he definitely deserves to be recognized for it. All right, if you want to get in touch with us, if you have a question, a comment, something you want us to discuss on the air, you can email the show, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Just leave your name and where you're from, and we'll be happy to talk about whatever's on your mind on the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnIsles. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. 
that's my Twitter handle, and we'll keep you up to date on all things happening in and around the world of the New York Islanders. That's going to do it for us here on the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with a lot more in-depth analysis of what's making the Islanders tick. And let's talk a little bit about why they were able to score five goals uh, in this game and, and what seems to be the difference between a good offensive game and when this offense struggles. So we'll talk about that. We'll have this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more. So please make sure you join us tomorrow and every day for the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.